Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. Evolution is more than a theory. It is a fundamental scientific principle. You know, there's a scientific term for that. It's called baloney. We are so stupid that we think that just because telephones and computers and cars are intelligently designed, that means we are too. Well, we're not. I don't trust that Richard Dawkins. In the beginning, God created heaven and the earth. Is the only logical explanation, unless you don't want to believe in science and logic. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Who wants to learn from a dead guy? I do, I do. This is Wretched Radio. Uh, Let's go back in time again, shall we? To hear about a subject that many of us are a little bit allergic to, and that is the love of God. You may recall, if you listened yesterday, which is highly unlikely because we haven't found anybody who has listened two days in a row, we shared a sermon from Octavius Winslow. On the love of God, and perhaps you thought, oh, he must have been the Joel Osteen of his day. Nothing just goopy, gloppity, love of God business. No, no, he was not. In the very same sermon, he does an altar call. Without the altar, part of it. He proclaims the gospel, and I thought it would be worth our time to hear an 1870 proclamation of the gospel commanding people right where they are this second to repent and put their trust in Jesus Christ. And what you're going to hear is this guy was not a squish bomb, even though he was talking about the love of God quite effusively. It was a clarion call to repent, to not be a fool and delay and wait until your deathbed because you just don't know when that day is going to come. And this might be helpful for you if you teach Sunday school, you preach, or you want your kids to get saved. There's a bit of a trend these days, not just in Big Eva, but also in our conservative circles, where the gospel can frequently bit a bit bit of a tack on at the end. Often you'll hear it as, we've just studied now about Jonah, and if you're here today and you don't want to end up in the belly of a whale, I'd ask you to... Put your trust in Jesus Christ. It's just, we just kind of tack it onto the end because we realize, ooh, we got to get it in some place. And it conveniently fits at the end because it's almost like a nota bene to the entire sermon. But that is not what this guy did. What you're about to hear was in the middle of his sermon on the love of God. And it goes on for pages. Here are some, just some of the highlights. Sinner. Now, he's not talking about the tennis player from Italy. He's talking about anybody sitting there, any human being, sinner. Remember, this is the guy who is talking about love. Feel the balance even inside of a sermon on love. Sinner, thus has the God of love been dealing with you. Long has he dealt with you in the way of mercy and forbearance. Judgment has lingered. There has been the hiding of his power. His mercy has restrained his wrath. (gasps) He talked about wrath. And but for this, hell must have been your present abode. And still you sin. Still you fight against God. Still you despise his son, reject his grace, scorn his salvation, and rush heedlessly, madly upon thick bosses of his buckler. You just You're running into the wood chipper is basically what he's saying, whether you are in Fargo or not. Did you hear the language there? 
That's fiery stuff. But remember, it's in the context of God's love. And this is the balance you and I need to find. We don't need to abandon holiness, righteousness, judgment, just to focus exclusively entirely on love. But we, 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 we don't want to do it the other way either, do we? We shouldn't be allergic to talking about the love of God. This was an ongoing altar call. There is a limit to divine forbearance and infinite mercy. When God, so to speak, has exhausted all means of kindness and love, justice steps in and executes his righteous vengeance and wrath. Now, we are a paragraph and a fifth into this altar call, this gospel proclamation. Most gospel proclamations are not this long. What what you just heard? They're not. so. If you're here today and you you just you know you know things aren't right with God, you need to know He died on a cross, rose from the grave. He'll forgive your sins. So do business with God. Amen. Not this guy. This went on and on and on. Mercy gives place to judgment, and the sinner is righteously and eternally condemned. What do you say then? sinner to this love? Has it interested, instructed, won you? Presume not upon its patience and continuance. Throw down the weapons of your rebellion and submit to the government of God. Repent and believe. Cast yourself in contrition at his feet and embrace in faith the scepter of his grace extended in the person and work of his beloved son, Jesus Christ. This reminds me of another plead from a sermon from, oh, he's probably 19th century guy. Maybe, yeah, 19th century guy. He was warning people, just don't go to war. Don't go to battle with God. Lay down. He offers terms of peace right now. Lay down your arms. He desires to manifest his goodness in saving you. Not so much his holiness and righteousness in condemning you. He wants to magnify his attributes of mercy, grace, and loving kindness. Don't be foolish. And that went on for paragraphs also. I wonder if we couldn't learn something from these dead guys when it comes to just plain preaching the gospel. Now, I realize it gets hard to do this. It can be difficult, especially when every week it's the same audience, same congregation. How do you make it fresh? You don't. You don't have to. Just preach it. Don't drive by it. Linger here. That scepter will not always be outstretched. Neither will it always be the scepter of grace. God is a God of justice as well as of love. A God that takes vengeance as well as a God that shows mercy. Listen to his awful words. When I sharpen my flashing sword and begin to carry out justice, I will bring vengeance on my enemies and repay those who hate me. Oh, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. He is a consuming fire. Do not make light of eternal punishment. Do not think it a small thing to fall under the vengeance of a holy, just, and gracious God. Mercy is fearful when it turns to wrath. Love is consuming when it turns to anger. There is no wrath 
like the wrath of the Lamb, with hell flashing in your face, with the wrath to come, wrath forever and ever to come, preparing for its dread and endless outpouring, with a certain prospect before you of the undying worm of conscience and the unquenchable flame of bodily and soul suffering. Why, oh, why will you die? The pleading of these guys. So if you're sitting here today and you'd like to come forward and talk, whoa, these guys were, please come to your senses. Is sin so sweet, the world so attractive, the creature so satisfying that for it you are willing to imperil your everlasting happiness to barter your soul? Conceive, oh, conceive if possible what it is to dwell in everlasting burning, to lie down in eternal fire. Spirit of the living God, awaken the sleeping sinner, quicken the dead soul. Anybody else thinking of Paul Washer right now? Do you remember the sermon that launched him into the stratosphere of notoriety? The shocking youth message? Preaching hard for 40 minutes and then ultimately doing the exact same thing you just heard Winslow do. Oh, God, blow on this place. Move on this place. Sounds a lot like Washer. And Winslow, doesn't it? Cause men everywhere to realize in some degree what a fearful, what an appalling, indescribable thing it is to be lost forever. And then he sweetens it a little bit. A little. Oh, what a mercy that you are not already in hell and that there is a door open to you into heaven. That door is Christ. Cease striving to enter heaven by the door of your good works and religious duties by the merits and intercessions of men, of saints, or angels. We know what group he was poking at there. There is but one door into heaven, faith in the Savior who died for sinners on the cross and whose blood and righteousness supply all the merit God requires or man can bring. Jesus came to save sinners, saves them now, saves them to the uttermost, saves them freely and forever. Why not you? I would ask that same question. If you have never humbled yourself before the mighty hand of God, you will. You will be humbled. There's an eternal difference. You wait. You delay. You press upon his forbearance, and it runs out, if you will. He will drop you to your knees with a rod of iron. That very same God offers you terms of peace right now. He extends a loving scepter. Grab it. Repent. Turn from your sins. Turn from your self-righteousness. Abase yourself before God. Put your trust in his son. And he will exalt you in due time. Why would you delay? This is Wretched Radio. Just because Roe v. Wade is overturned, that does not mean the battle for life is over. Would you please consider supporting Preborn Ministries, providing ultrasounds that genuinely save lives? That ultrasound changed everything for me. It really did. That made it all worthwhile to know that I was going to have a little blessing when she got here. It was just, oh my gosh. <laughs> 
Another woman who chooses life because she saw an ultrasound. Her life, and obviously her baby's life, changed. When I heard her heartbeat, I decided to keep her. And now my daughter's about to be three. I don't know where my life would be without her. The war for life continues to rage. Would you please engage in the battle and support preborn centers at preborn.org slash wretched preborn.org slash wretched. You've no doubt heard about this subliminal advertising nonsense before. You know, commercials that are supposed to have hidden messages in them. Well, become a Wretched Gospel Partner. Wretched firmly denies any use of this so-called mind control. Become a Wretched Gospel Partner. After all, Wretched is entertaining and charming enough. Go to wretched.org slash donate. I mean, what's not to love about helping to reach millions of people all over the world with the gospel? You're getting excited. A ministry that's ECFA approved so you know your donation is going to wise things. That's getting your attention. In fact, 83% of every dollar goes directly to ministry. Take out your wallet. So let's go ahead and put this subliminal advertising nonsense to rest. Nobody can do your thinking for you. Become a Wretched Gospel Partner. You either want to become a Wretched Gospel Partner. You do, you do. Or you don't. Yes, you do. Wretched.org slash donate or text the word Wretched to 44321. Cool, very cool. The Tomorrow Clubs now have 106 clubs in Romania. This year marks the celebration of the 25th anniversary of our ministry. But also, it is a very important milestone for Tomorrow Clubs Romania. Now, Tomorrow Clubs Romania has 106 clubs. That means 106 villages are hearing the gospel proclaimed to the kids who get saved. They bring the gospel home. Parents get saved and local churches get strengthened. Would you please consider supporting the Tomorrow Clubs? Not only do they have hundreds of clubs in Romania, Ukraine, Russia, Albania, all over Eastern Europe and now in Africa, would you please consider what might you do to bring the gospel to both Africa and to Eastern Europe tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched Books of the Bible Deuteronomy means second law as the Israelites prepared to enter the promised land after wandering 40 years God reminds them of how he rescued them from Egypt what he commands in his law, and the blessings and curses that come with keeping or breaking his law. God is faithful to provide the inheritance he has promised to his children. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. This wouldn't work in a home. It can't work in a country. This is Wretched Radio. Multiculturalist globalism. There shouldn't be boundaries. There shouldn't be borders. There shouldn't be cultural distinctives. There shouldn't be standards. There shouldn't be norms. There shouldn't be a common language, common interests, common values. We should be multi-culti. We should just be whatever we want. And even if you live in one particular zip code, you can bring the ideals and values and customs and foods, whatever you want from another zip code, import them in, and we're just going to get along. It doesn't work in a house. Go ahead. Try it. I always find this to be a most helpful exercise shrink down an issue to something smaller, neighborhood or home. For instance, we have a tendency to read about naughty children in the Old Testament and go, whoa, 
that's severe. We have a tendency to think about pagan religions and God's desire to see it eradicated from his holy set-apart people, and we go, whoa. Well, there was a holy reason for it. There was a, a beneficial reason for human flourishing in those commands, but it was also because a smaller unit cannot absorb those challenges, those adversities. If you're in a small village and you've got yourself a kid who is a tyrant, this kid is absolutely, he's the Tasmanian devil of your town of 80 people. You can't absorb that. We can in the States because we're so big, so naughty children, whatever. Foreign religions, whatever. Bad ideology. We'll just, we can absorb it because we're so big. But when you shrink it down, you can't absorb it. And multiculturalism can't be absorbed. Furthermore, there is a biblical reason why we need to reject it. Because I get it. It is a little tricky to find that balance of other cultures have good things to offer. And, and, and we'd be silly to not identify those and tap into those. But that's different than saying that we shouldn't have a defined culture that we shouldn't have certain guardrails that keep us on the tracks together. If if you are going to be multi-culti in your home, I guess it's multi-culti in your home, how would that work out? Mom cooks dinner? No, I'm going to cook it up in my room on a hot plate because I like my form of food better. Okay, it's not the end of the world, but but then when you move into things like, how's about just the patterns? of a home, when people go to bed, when they wake up, when they play loud music, when they don't. What about morals and values? What about going to church on Sunday? What about the God to whom we bow and pray? You can't sustain that in a smaller context, and you can't sustain it in a country. From the American mind, the paradox of multiculturalist globalism. Late-stage liberalism, philosophically speaking, is an incoherent mess. It boosters claim to be defenders of women, but they allow men to infiltrate women's spaces and women's sports. In other words, it's paradox after contradiction. Doesn't make any sense. I did read about this was this was oh this was interesting in the New York Times. They did an expose on a woman who did things to her body to try to appear like a man. And she, too, was a swimmer. And she did well in the women's division, but she just had to be with her gender. So she thought. So she went on the men's team. And she doesn't win. We we all knew that that would happen. But I think this is worthy of, of noting. This is the second time that I've read in the New York Times that they want to take a moral issue and personalize it. This this is argument by anecdote. This is one of the lamest debate tactics there is. And you'll 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 recognize it articles if you ever go to debates. Let me tell you the story about Janie Sue, which could be somebody's name in the South anyway. Let me tell you about Janie Sue. She grew up, and then you hear an anecdote. Uh-huh. Do you want that to happen? Therefore, my position is right. It's argument by anecdote. And there was an abortion article about a week ago where it was a long article stating we've got to get away from the science. 
We've got to get away from the politics. We've got to get away from the morality and humanize the subject. In other words, hey, we got to let people do what makes them happy. And the same statement was uttered or typed in this New York Times article about this woman swimmer in the men's division. We've got to humanize it. Hey, they're not happy unless a surgeon's scalpel takes off body parts. We got to let them do it. Be ready to see that argument more and more. Back to our article on multiculturalism. They claim race is a social construct, something that has no scientific basis in nature or biology. But the critical race theory doubles down on the idea that racial identity is the single most important feature of one's personhood. Which is it? It's incoherent. Liberals insist upon the importance of bodily autonomy for personal freedom's sake arguing that any restriction of abortion is an assault on human dignity. But they also gave strong support for mandatory masking and forced vaccinations. You remember saying, hey, wait a second, my body, (laughs) I can do what I... If you were opposed to masks, if you were opposed to vaccinations, you tried to use their line of thinking. My body, my choice didn't work. Why? Because liberalism is incoherent. These contradictions emanate. From one of the great political paradoxes of our age, the bizarre partnership between globalists and multiculturalists. So we need to get into some definitions here because this is the way our world is currently working. Multiculturalism is a new ideology. Liberals used to recognize that cultural diversity within a society, it was inevitable. You're going to get strangers, foreigners, sojourners. But they understood too much of it was bad for social cohesion. In other words, you homogenized out of many, one. Now it's out of many, many. And we're all going to figure out a way to get along. It doesn't, it just, it just doesn't work. That's multiculturalism. The American tradition insists upon the toleration of difference in a free society. Amen. But multiculturalism is a perversion of that. Today's multiculturalists, it's not sufficient to tolerate individual cultural difference. They must be affirmed and celebrated. They view difference as an inherent political good. E pluribus pluribus. <laughs> Out of many, many, our diversity is our strength. You hear that, don't you? And historically, liberals would say, no, our strength is that even though we're diverse, we become one. Because that's what helps a society function. Our diversity is our strength, they argue. We've got to maximize the number of different cultures in our society. Now, this is not by any means to suggest being racist or feeling ethnically superior. It's merely recognizing that historically, by God's design, this goes back to Tower of Babel business. There's got to be boundaries. There's got to be lines. And it, it's our culture, by the way, that keeps us separate. And that's a good thing because if we are not separated by language— and cultural distinctions, guess what we're going to do? We're going to build a tower to Babel to try to get to heaven, the Babylonian tower, to try to show, see, we can do anything we put our minds to. Globalism seeks to change the citizens of sovereign nations into cosmopolitans or citizens of the world. And that globalism actually opposes nationalism. Globalism sees allegiances as a narrow-minded provincialism. 
Only when you shed your higher esteem for your own nation can the full premise, a promise rather, of liberalism be actualized. Globalists harbor a disdain for borders, whether physical, cultural, economic, whatever. Globalists see a grave injustice in the inability of non-citizens to influence the nation's decision-making on matters that would impact their lives. You, you feel the difference? They're short-term allies, but they're natural enemies. Multiculturalism reveres particularity. It celebrates unique peoples and cultures. Globalism says, wipe them out. And yet, you see them partnering together. Why? Well, because they have an agenda. And the and we need to remember the formula that darkness never fights against darkness. Now, it, it that explains the uh, incoherent mess that liberalism is, because it really isn't about these issues per se. It's really about who defines what is right and wrong. Who will write the rules? Who gets to decide how now we live? And the new liberals would say, we'll make that decision for you. And it manifests itself in an utter incoherent mess. Why don't the feminists ever talk about the treatment of Islamic women? Well, because they're on the same team. Darkness doesn't fight against darkness. You're only seeing a little bit of a, even though LGB, LGB is diametrically opposed to the T addition. Well, for the most part, they still get along. Why? Because darkness partners with darkness. How do you break this down? You can try to logic and reason. I got to tell you something. If, if you see what is going on in our culture and you want to change, um, it demands something supernatural, doesn't it? This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio. And I'm Jimmy Hicks. <laughs> well, this is a bit of a plot twist to the story that I think I can get behind. I'm talking about Drag Queen Story Hour. You know what I'm talking about. The terrible events that have been popping up all over the country and increasing, it seems. Well, just a few months ago, a handful of pastors visited libraries in their community and hosted Pastor Story Hour events to oppose Drag Queen Story Hour. And it looks like that trend has caught on because those initiatives are appearing and popping up all over the country. Two of the pastors that started the initiative, Dale Partridge of Arizona and Michael Foster of Ohio, recently said it's a necessity for Christians not just to complain, but get out there with action and make moves to advance the gospel and a biblical view of sexuality. Well, the ever-so-progressive Washington, D.C. seems to be bursting at its seams with crime, so much so that the city has resorted to putting up Bible posters to try to keep people from murdering each other. That's a true story. Amid a recent gun violence that Washington's police chief has called completely unacceptable, local community leaders are hoping the red and white cardboard signs that they've plastered the city with will help stop the bloodshed. On the sign... Thou shall not kill. A simple message that hopefully will stop the non-Christians who are currently morally okay with killing each other to think about their actions and say, you know what? This Christian morality thing may have a point. I'm not quite sure they're going to see that happen. But we can all be praying for Washington, D.C. And as much as you don't want to, me included, the Walt Disney Company, who's back in the news making headlines, 
This time, it's not about something woke or progressive. It's actually something I think I agree with. They're asking workers to return to the company's offices four days a week starting on March 1st. Currently, employees who have been working in a hybrid fashion will be asked to spend four days a week on site, Monday through Thursday. That's a mandate coming from the new old CEO, Bob Iger, who recently returned as CEO in November. And in case you missed it, M&M's has added a new purple character, which is designed to represent acceptance and inclusivity. And they're also releasing an all-female candy package that will contain only brown, green, and purple M&M's because the animated version of those M&M's are feminine. And look, I know, and you likely know by now, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but it would seem to me if you're looking to represent acceptance and inclusivity, you would want to include all of the M&Ms together, not separate them. I mean, isn't that doing exactly what you're trying to preach against? Somebody please make it make sense. More Ratchet Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. The fruit of the Spirit is evidence that God is working in us. Every believer will evidence this fruit. But it is important to remember that bearing fruit is a consequence of salvation, not a requirement for salvation. God is working in us and through us, and He is the source of this fruit, not us. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Oh, Jimmy. Yes. That, that's, that's when you say something. <laughs> yes. Oh, Jimmy. Hey, Todd. Guess what I found? What did you find? The article I was looking for three weeks ago, just in the nick of time, a reminder that you are listening to the most organized Christian talk show on this station at this time. This is Wretched Radio. Before we get to a rewriting of the golden rule, because apparently we humans thought it needed to be enhanced. <laughs> I just found some a quote that I was looking for a number of weeks ago that if you happen to be a Goyle, I hope will encourage you because it talks about the distinctives that make a pink so special, so unique, such a contribution to our homes and to our workplaces and to our societies. And we don't hear enough of this language. It was from an article called Thwarted Mommy Brain. With the downplaying of women having babies, doing that rather puritanical staying home and raising your children nonsense, we're thwarting a woman's desire to be a mommy. Listen to this writing from Helen Roy. Mommy brain. I'll use this as shorthand for what philosopher Edith Stein identifies as women's natural maternal yearning. So if you bump into Matt Walsh and he asks you, well, what is a woman? You could say it is the one who has an innate, natural, maternal yearning. Something inside that says, I'd like to be a mom. I just saw, what was I? Oh, I think it was a TV show. And they were, they were the husband and wife and then the kids. They were talking, they were just talking about how, she, he, they've made sacrifices so that she can stay home and live the dream of being a mommy. And I went, ah, there it is. 
That's that natural maternal yearning, the inborn feminine genius that seeks to protect and cultivate vulnerable things and people. What makes a woman a woman? Yeah, they care about people who are hurt. They want to help heal the boo-boo. They don't like to see people hungry. That's, That's what makes a woman a woman. It doesn't mean that men don't have those attributes, but they shine in these areas. We, we have a tendency to think back about traditional masculinity, traditional femininity, and think, well, John Wayne was better than Harry Styles. Come on. And yet we do see that there were some excesses or some droughts that made traditional masculinity not the ideal. For instance, emotional reservedness. Now, that is a masculine, we are less emotionally expressive. And I don't think that's ever going to change. Women, they don't have more feelings, but they do tend to express them more. Those are distinctives between men and women. By the way, we did an episode on biblical masculinity, biblical femininity, Road Trip to Truth, season three. Your youth group would benefit from watching it back to a thwarted mommy brain. Whether women are biological mothers or not, this inclination can express itself in a million beautiful ways. Beyond physically observable sex characteristics, it is actually what makes women women. It is the fundamental reality and beauty of the female soul. And this article, interestingly, that... That was the part of the article that I thought was just, yes, look at that, celebrating women. Just like we should celebrate masculinity. Language that uplifts as opposed to, well, you know, it's hard to make ends meet. And, you know, we uh, we got to do what we can do. How's about moms desire to be moms? Women desire to be maternal. Let's uplift it. Let's celebrate it. Let's be countercultural and not talk down about it or apologetically for it. It's great. It's awesome. Now, this particular article goes on, I think, pretty insightfully to share. If you don't promote motherhood, it will that desire in women will manifest itself in different ways. So what happens to mommy brain in a world where, for a swelling subset of women, that maternal, natural maternal yearning, fails to find its proper outlet, where the very concept of womanhood is flattened to the mere performance of seduction, where the vocation of motherhood is regarded in the popular narrative as an exorbitant cost of conformity to the spirit of a bygone era of oppression, (laughs) where the expectations for women from an early age are to think, talk, behave, and achieve like men. It will, it's going to come squirting out in other ways. And this article goes on to list some of them bad causes. Well, they're not necessarily bad causes, but it's that maternal instinct desiring to help people, n- desiring to do good, to protect and nurture. Perhaps in the same way that the particularly masculine urges to pursue and provide for women are thwarted by the modern ease of access to pornography Women, too, find an inappropriate expression, a pressure release valve for their frustrated impulse. Seeking the girlfriend experience, thwarted mommy brain causes women to sublimate their feminine instincts, find a socially acceptable object to nurture and protect it as if it were an infant, even when it isn't. 
So it would be causes, careers, victims, the oppressed, all good things, mind you. Not saying we shouldn't, but many times you'll see women dive into those concerns because they're not able to express their maternal nature with actual children. From the article, ultimately the cure for this sort of disordered thinking from the popular perversion of womanhood is to get away from the popular stuff entirely. The manufactured narratives and worldviews impressed upon all consumers of media. Got to tell you, mom and dad, the internet is after your kids. I know, I know it has a lot of good stuff, but I'm telling you, for every time you say being a mom is great, they will hear 50 times, oh, no, it isn't. It's oppressive. It's terrible. Isn't that why we're seeing in part the delay of motherhood, of marriage, of commitment? Back to this article. The answer for remediating this sickness of the soul, which has hardened women's hearts to their families while opening their minds to all sorts of unrelated garbage, is to dive into one's real life. It is to lean out of any and everything that alienates the mind from the body, opting out of mainstream narratives on politics, career, sex, whatever, is not just a good option for women from their objective political stance, but it would also liberate us to simply be ourselves. How nice to read an uplifting article about women. The golden rule, it's being rewritten and it is now being called the platinum rule. Familiar with this? You know the golden rule. Treat others the way that you would like to be treated. That's what Jesus said. Nope, that's kindergarten. We need to advance. Now the platinum rule is we are to treat others as they want to be treated. Do you feel the difference in that? doesn't matter how you want to be treated. It's all about the expectation of the other person. Now, is there any truth in that? And I think to a degree there is. For instance, you don't think that you're being severe when you try to point out a sin, but the hearer does. We should hear that and be willing to to take the news. Um, your tone, little sharp. Could you just dull that a little bit? So there is an aspect of that, but this is going for something different. This is going for you will treat me the way that I want to be treated. What are the implications and what are the problems with trying to improve on the words of Jesus? Well, let me count the ways. Number one, this means we don't love people. When you see somebody in error, When you see somebody living a harmful lifestyle, love says, speak the truth lovingly, but speak the truth. This platinum rule says, oh, no, you don't. Not if it hurts my feelings. It sounds really humble, but it's just another way of putting the self at the center of everything. You define my treatment of you based on your preferences. Imagine how that would work in culture. You know, like with the person who is an addict, and they, they've got a, some sort of perversion. Why don't we try this platinum rule with our kids and see how that works out? Because if you take the platinum rule to its logical conclusion, external beliefs, expectations, standards don't matter. Truth doesn't set the agenda. Preference does. This is from the Christian Post. Justin Clement pointing out the deficiencies of the platinum rule. 
which we should expect you don't improve on the words of Jesus. It eliminates correction, help. It replaces God's commandments. It rewrites Jesus' words. And it allows people to just keep on living any single way that they want. We can't enhance what Jesus taught. The golden rule will do. Then I guess maybe sometimes a little bit of satire could be helpful when you hear the platinum rule being expressed in your business, in your workplace. Hey, boss, you know how I'd like to be treated? I'd like a 50% raise. That's how I'd like to be treated. The platinum rule will get put on the shelf. Lickety split. This is Wretched Radio. For your consideration, not one but two ways that you could strengthen the local global church, the Masters Academy International, training men in Los Angeles who then return to their home countries and open up mini seminaries to train pastors in their native land. That strengthens the local church. But there's another way you can do just that. We are partnering with the Masters Academy International to send Bibles to the Philippines. Not just any Bible, MacArthur Study Bibles to believers in TMAI-trained churches. These efforts strengthen the local church. Would you please consider how many Bibles you might send? How many seminaries you might support overseas? To learn more, visit wretched.org slash pastor, or if you like the Bible sending idea, wretched.org slash Bible. Thank you for listening to Wretched Radio today. We are certainly grateful for your time. So here's a crazy scenario. Did you know that there is a way for you to know all of the latest happenings at Wretched? When you can't even keep up with all that's happening in your own life, you can keep up with everything happening at Wretched. See, told you it was a crazy scenario. But you can keep up with all of these things by signing up to receive the monthly Wretched newsletter. Each month, Wretched sends out a newsletter covering tough theological issues Christians are facing today, and you're also going to get the updates about what's new and upcoming and wretched. Makes you kind of wish somebody would send you a newsletter about what's going on in your own life. Well, we can't do that, but we can certainly let you know what's happening in ours. Plus, we give away resources every single day to one of our newsletter recipients. So go get signed up for the Wretched Newsletter now at wretched.org slash newsletter. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. Here are a few words that you've never heard together. Health insurance, good deal, and high customer satisfaction rates. Would you please consider checking out MediShare? Not only are the rates amazing, but the customer satisfaction rate is supremely higher than traditional health insurance. MediShare, it is affordable, biblical, health sharing. The average family saves $500 a month, but hold on, here comes the even better part of the good deal. For the year 2023, you'll save 10%. Not kidding. Even more. Furthermore, they will waive the initiation fee. It will take you two minutes on the telly to determine if MediShare is right for you and your family. Please call 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE, or visit metashare.com slash wretched now. Titles of Christ In the Bible, Jesus is given many titles that teach us about who He is 
and what he has done. Jesus is called a fragrant offering. In the Old Testament, God required burnt offerings of meat and incense as a pleasing aroma. These sacrifices foreshadowed Jesus, the perfect offering that takes away the sins of the world. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. If you struggle with anxiety, or perhaps you have a great fear, from Transform Season 1, please meet Katie. Some parts of life that are difficult with my anxiety and all of that is just... um, I have especially hard time when my kids are away from me. Um, cars um, are make me very, very anxious. Um, going anywhere really outside of our hometown is is very difficult for me. Um, it's just very, very recently that I, I've been able to let my husband start driving us again places because I'm just terrified we're going to get into an accident and I'm, I'm I'm just terrified something's going to happen to my family. And as much as I don't want it to be my fault, I'd almost rather it be my fault than it be somebody else's fault. And I have to live with something happening to all of them. If you struggle with anxiety or fear, you need to know you're not alone. This is Wretched Radio. A very excited season two is on its way. You'll be hearing about that shortly. And you're going to re-meet Katie because Katie struggled with a a fear that is something that wasn't entirely irrational, that your kids could get hurt when they're out of your sight and care. But when it becomes an obsession, when, as she said, it terrorizes you, well, then you need to realign some thinking and understand, okay, if I've got fear and anxiety, that's a fruit, but there is a deeper root that must be unearthed. And that is what transformed season one and soon season two do. As a study guide, you might want to consider this for your youth group or Sunday school class. Dr. Greg Gifford does the counseling, who, by the way, will be podcasting the transform podcast starting saturday january the 14th and you'll get to hear this guy talk to you about a myriad of emotional issues when we fear something it often shows what our values are or what our priorities are the fear of your kid's health or the fear of your kid's safety help me understand what do you value so much about your children? I, I just love them. They're, I, I spent years just growing up wanting to be a mom. That's what I wanted to be. Um, I wanted to have a bunch of kids. And when my husband and I got married, we tried for several years and could never get pregnant. And so that was kind of just a really hard blow to me because I wanted to be a mom. It's just someone that I could just pour all of my love into and all my attention into. If God forbid something were to happen to your children, it takes away what you enjoy, which would be your kids. Yeah, I I mean, I guess that's ultimately what I'm afraid of. Your children, as wonderful as they are, they can never be the object of your ultimate love, ultimate enjoyment, your ultimate hope that you'll have love and security going forward. Your kids, as awesome as they may turn out, and I have no doubt they'll turn out awesomely. 
but your kids, as awesome as they turn out, they can never be that place that you're ultimately finding all of those things. That's Jesus. Got to tell you, that tone, it's so, I don't know, pastoral and biblical, identifying what's lurking underneath Katie's fear of her kids dying. Turns out it's idolatry. Now, this Katie isn't flaky by any stretch of the imagination. We are all idolaters. We all have idols besides God. So Dr. Gifford needs to gently, lovingly identify that, point that out, and then point her in the right direction. It has been rightly stated that our hearts are idol factories. It almost seems like a universal human specialty to displace God from the throne of our hearts to let an object or desire sit there and rule our lives. That's Dr. Dale Johnson from the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors. If you have a fear, dig deep into your heart. What are you valuing more than you should? And when you answer that question, then you can depose that false idol and let the Lord sit where he belongs. And that's why chances are pretty good you need help doing that because we have a tendency to deceive ourselves. We don't want to admit that perhaps... Our children have become an idol, or maybe we don't understand that, and we think, wait a second, I love my kids. What's wrong with that? And the answer is nothing unless they become an idol, that that, that they become something that takes the place of God. Well, then it is a problem. We all need help digging down deep to find the roots of the sin that is manifesting itself. Katie has a fear, a fear of losing her children. And while that fear, like most fears, is merely a fruit of another root, there is a type of fear that actually is a root. The fear is known as the fear of man. While we certainly respect people who are in authority, and we should even fear dangerous men, the fear of man is a problem the Bible says is a snare. Proverbs 29, 25 says that the fear of man is a snare, a snare that captures us, immobilizes us, and can ultimately kill us. In other words, the fear of man might be a root that is causing Katie to be immobilized at the thought of losing her kids. So what is a good biblical counselor to do? Dig. Find them roots. And in Katie's instance, Dr. Gifford suspected it is a fear of man problem. Hey, Jimmy, have you noticed... What? We, we like piano music. It's pretty. Behind our <laughs> We're interacting now with some of how do I fear Jesus or do I fear people or what does this look like? And, and as Jesus is trying to help address that with his disciples, he says this, Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Don't fear people. The worst that people can do, and it's pretty bad, but the worst that they can do is take your body. Body's over, soul continues to live forever. There's a misappropriated fear here, and Jesus is reminding his disciples that you can't put your fear in man and what man can do to you. The worst that a a person can do to you is take your life. There's a misappropriated fear if man has my ultimate fear. Counter to that, he says, rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. 
And we know that this is a reference to God the Father. We have a misdirected fear if we let man receive our ultimate fear. But Jesus doesn't say, well, stop fearing. He says, actually redirect that fear. So instead of letting man get your ultimate fear, redirect that fear to the Lord, to honor the Lord, to revere the Lord. Jimmy, here's a question for you. Have you ever spoken that sweetly to anyone for that extended amount of time? No. (laughs) (laughs) And that's why you and I aren't hosting Transform. That's Dr. Greg Gifford. Don't miss the new podcast, Transform Podcast with Dr. Greg Gifford. Saturday, January 14th, it debuts on your Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your downloads. Being so gentle with Katie, even when he's trying to be corrective, he's still gentle. Because he's speaking truth in love, and you've got to be gentle when you're dealing with somebody whose children are a fear of man problem. She so loves her kids, making them an idol, but then also fearing her kids, because if she lost her kids, she fears she wouldn't be a mom, and that has been her desire. And so her kids are actually keeping her in bondage. And that is why Dr. Gifford is speaking so tenderly and doing what is, this is common with biblical counseling, the hour-ish long session for 12 weeks. Yep, that's really important. But the real work is done in the context of a local church throughout the week as the counselee does homework. I want you to articulate, to journal, to keep track of how or when you tend to value your kids more than Jesus in that moment. The next thing that I wanted you to do is to use Colossians 1 and Hebrews 1 as a study on the betterness of Jesus, the superiority of Jesus. You're going to saturate it. You're going to make it through Colossians 1 the first time, and then you're going to highlight what it said about Jesus. Then you're going to go through it the second time. Keep ransacking these passages for the superiority of Jesus. And what I'm wanting you to see is that Jesus is better He's bigger, he's sovereign, he's in control, he's ruling everything. And that's going to help you be able to fight for valuing Jesus and maintaining the proper value of our kids, valuing our children, but yet not valuing them more than we value Jesus. Homework. It is where the heavy lifting happens. And here's the punchline. That was Katie in Transform Season 1. We revisit her in Season (laughs) 2. Just... Did somebody flip a switch? Did somebody just totally realter her life? And the answer is yes, God did through the application of the word and the help of his people in the context of a local church. I'm pleased to inform you, Katie and her hubby, they're traveling all over the place these days without the kids. Transform season one. It's available at wretched.org. Be listening for season two. And don't miss Dr. Greg Gifford's Transform podcast Saturday, January 14th. And until tomorrow, go serve your king.